Our second scripture reading for today is the seventh chapter of 2 Chronicles, verses 11 through 22. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn to their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenant with your father David, saying, You shall never lack a successor to rule over Israel. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from a land that I have given you and this house which I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight and will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And regarding this house now exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they adopted other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore, he has brought all his calamity upon them. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for today, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The humility, repentance, faithfulness, and prayers of Christians protect and sustain nations. Now, in the reading that, share, that Charlie shared with us in 2 Chronicles, uh, chapters 5 through 7, I'll talk about the dedication of the first Jewish temple there in Jerusalem. This was a big deal. For Israel, this was a really, really big deal, a great national event for them. 
It could be argued that it was the highest point, the apex of their existence as a nation. It could be argued to this day, to this very day, it's the highest point of Israel, the Jewish people's existence as a, as a people. Now, up until this time, the folks worship God in and around a big tent. It was called the tabernacle. And it contained the Ark of the Covenant and it had other holy objects in it that God had commanded Moses to make to encourage worship. So the uh, Israelites were so delighted on a building. It was a building. I mean, this was an awesome building. Uh, awesome building, to say the least. And they were so delighted that God had allowed them and led them to build the temple, to build the temple. Now Solomon, King Solomon gave the human leadership for the construction of the temple. The dedication of the temple was a, a really important event. 22,000 head of cattle were slaughtered with a dedication. 120,000 sheep and goats were sacrificed during the dedication of the temple. Just one way of measuring the magnitude of what happened uh, for this dedication. God told Solomon that his presence would abide in this temple in a very special way, and it did. We'd learn in scripture that the Ark of the Covenant actually glowed. There was this unexplained supernatural Shekinah glory, it was called, around the, the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies place in the temple. Now, during during the dedication of the temple, Solomon prayed a very lengthy prayer. <clears throat> and I'm not going to uh, share the whole prayer with you, but I would like to share the very end of that prayer <clears throat> found in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, beginning verse 40. Solomon ended his prayer this way. He says, now, O oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to prayer from this place. Now rise up, O Lord God, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your faithful rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for your servant David. And then it goes on in chapter seven and says, when Solomon had ended his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down, and the glory of the Lord on the temple. They bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there for that? But that was a worship service. That's what you call a worship service. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So God's blessings would abide upon the nation of Israel and upon the temple as long as 
as long as the people obeyed the decrees and commands that God had given through Moses. That was the catch. That was the big catch. He warned them. He said, if you turn from me, he would, he would uproot them. He would uproot them from the land. He would reject this beautiful building, the temple, that had been built to God's glory. God gave to Israel a very precious promise. He said to his people, if you're confronted with a crisis, such as a drought or a pestilence or a plague, <clears throat> if you humble yourselves, if you pray, if you seek my face, if you turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sin. I will heal your land. I will heal your land. So God promised to have his eyes opened, his ears attentive to the prayers, to the prayers, to the prayers offered in the temple. Prayer, living in humble dependence upon God, obeying God, repenting of evil. These were the most important things that the Israelites could do to make sure their nation remained safe and strong. You see, it was not Israel's armies that would save them. It was not their natural resources. It was not their businesses. It was not their governments. It was not their kings, not their educational systems. No. What would save them would be their faith, their humility, their righteousness. That's what would keep harm from knocking on their door and tearing their house down. God himself promised to defend his faithful people. Today, God's people, those whom he calls by his name, <clears throat> are called Christians, are called Christians. People who look to Jesus as Savior and Lord, people who have his spirit within them. It is our responsibility as Christians to pray for our nation, whatever nation we're a part of because Christians are a part of almost every nation in the world, of course, but to pray, pray for their nation. James tells us in his book, the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And then Paul gives these wonderful instructions to his young friend, Timothy. <clears throat> He writes, he says to Timothy, first of all, first of all, Timothy, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Timothy, if you don't tell your people anything else that they should do, tell them to pray. Tell them to pray. 
for each other, for all those in authority. They do nothing but pray. They'll be doing the most important thing they can do. <clears throat> and of course, it is our responsibility as Christians to humbly, humbly walk with God. Loving God, first of all, loving our neighbors as we want our neighbors to love us. Peter, <clears throat> in his uh, epistle, his first epistle, shares these words. God opposes the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And also we have the responsibility to repent of evil. We have the responsibility of setting a godly example for all those around us. Again, in 1 Peter, we read these words. Yet if any of you suffers as a Christian, do not consider it a disgrace but glorify God because you bear his name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. If it begins with us, what will be the end for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinners? <clears throat> Therefore, let those suffering in accordance with God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. Continuing to do good. There's a wonderful, extraordinarily account in the Old Testament of God coming to Abraham and telling Abraham, I'm going to destroy the city of Sodom. I'm going to destroy the city. It is so filled with wickedness. It, I, I did disdain it so much. I'm just going to just wipe it off the map. So Abraham responds to the Lord <clears throat> and says this, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? So the Lord said to Abraham, okay, Abraham, if there's 50 righteous people, I will not destroy the city. It's a deal. It's a deal. Abraham said, well, Lord, how about, how about 45? How about 45? <coughs> Will you not destroy the city if there's 45? Well, Lord, how about 40? How about 30? How about 20? How about 10, Lord? If there's 10 righteous people in Sodom, will you not destroy it? So God said it's a deal. There's 10 righteous people in Sodom. I won't destroy the city. Were there 10 righteous people in Sodom? No. The city was destroyed for its wickedness. So let me ask today, 
how many righteous people will it take to keep God's wrath from falling on our country and destroying it? There's a lot of wickedness in our country. Watch the news, read a paper. You don't have to watch the news long or read a paper long, right? To be aware of some nasty things happening. You know, lots of pride, lots of pride. Lots of whatever you can name. There's lots of it out there, right? If we're honest with ourselves. It's out there. It's out there. The Jewish people thought God will never, ever, ever allow his temple to be destroyed. God will never, ever, ever allow his city to be destroyed, right? It'll never happen. It'll absolutely never, ha never happen. But in 586 BC, guess what happened? It happened. The Babylonians came in. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed the city. They hauled a lot of folks back to Babylon to be slaves. And it happened because the people didn't keep up their part of the deal, right? They rebelled. They had idols they were worshiping in Jerusalem. They had all kinds of crazy things going on. They lost the, they lost the Bible. They couldn't even find the Bible for a while. Had to, someone scrounged around in the temple, found a copy of the Bible that had been filled up with dust. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. And God had said, look, if you turn from me, this place is going to fall. This place is going to fall. Now, we're tempted as Americans to think that our nation will never, ever, ever be spoken of in the past tense. That'll never happen, right? That'll never happen, right? Well, what happened to the Roman Empire? What happened to the French Empire under Napoleon? What happened to the Soviet Union? Yeah, history's full of nations, empires that we speak about in the past tense. What I'm saying today, it's our prayers, our humble obedience as Christians that's so important to the future of our nation. I mean, we need government, right? We need good government. I don't think government's gonna save us, honestly. We need good business, good businesses. I don't think that's gonna save us. I think what's gonna save us is our willingness as Christians to live out our faith. And it's not a matter of eradicating all the evil in our land, that'll never happen. It is a matter of shining as lights of righteousness in the midst of the darkness. That's our responsibility. We can't, we can't wave our hand or do anything else to eradicate evil, but we can shine a light in the darkness. In fact, Jesus said, what did he say? So let your light shine that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. He also said, that, let the wheat grow with the weeds. The wheat will grow with the weeds. And, in that, and then someday God will deal with both. He'll sort the weeds out from the wheat. So, we must look to the Lord to forgive our sins as a nation and to heal our land. 
It's our responsibility to pray, to humbly do God's will, to turn from any and all evil. You see, the best thing we may do for our nation is to help fellow Americans see and enter the kingdom of God. That's the best thing we can do. The more we share with others who Jesus is, why he came from heaven to earth, and why it's important for them to connect with him, the more we do that, the more we're helping our nation remain strong. This is what we need to do to allow our nation to not simply survive, but to truly, truly thrive. Amen? Amen. Amen.